Oh, good morning. <clears throat> this podium is great. So this is all I ever asked for, and so now I'm ready just to go and meet the Lord. I have, this is all I've ever wanted was, was this so I could have my notes here. Look at that. They fit, fit right there. Thing doesn't come down on the Bible. That is great. <clears throat> I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but how many of you watch late night infomercials? Well, if you do, then you know that your life can be almost instantly changed for just three easy payments of $29.95 plus shipping and handling, which they don't tell you what it is until you call or go to their website. The package normally retails for $499. But if you will be one of the next 100 callers in 30 minutes and a little clock comes up on the screen, we will throw in an entire another package for nothing except shipping and handling. That's great, isn't it? We are looking for anything that will change our lives and help us to get in control regardless of the price. Now, do you ever wonder who buys that stuff? We do. We do. And by we, I mean we as a society. According to the Market Data Enterprise Report, in 2005, Americans spent $9.6 billion on self-improvement, most of it going to things bought in from infomercials, personal coaching, and self-help books. So we are all looking for some kind of change. So I want to begin by asking you this question. What exactly is it that's out of control in your life? Temper? Eating? Moods? Drinking? Bad habits? Spending? Apparently, someone saw a bumper sticker on a car that said this. The person who says money can't buy happiness just doesn't know where to shop. So how do we bring about positive, lasting change in our lives? Well, we're going to be looking at three things. First, the problem, and then the promise, and then a few things that we can do in the process. First of all, let's take a look at the problem. The problem is most clearly stated by the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 7. Now it's important to remember in this section, Paul is talking about his life before he was a Christian. He's talking about a point in time when he was trying to accomplish everything in his life by his own sheer willpower. This is what he said. My own behavior baffles me. For I find myself doing what I really hate and not doing what I really want to do. I often find that I have the desire to do good, but not the power. Notice that. I have the desire to do good, but not the power. I don't accomplish the good I set out to do. And the evil I don't really want to do, I find myself always doing. Can any of you vaguely relate to this? He says the things I don't want to do, 
I end up doing. And the things I want to do, I end up not doing. I heard this story about a cowboy who became a Christian. And he said to this fella, he said, ever since I've become a Christian, I feel like there are two horses in my life, each one wanting to pull me in a different direction. And the other guy said, which horse wins? And the cowboy said, whichever horse I say giddy up to. And you know that principle is true? Right now, there is a civil war that is going on inside of us. Between the part of us that wants to do right, has the desire to do what is right, and the part of us that really just doesn't care. It's kind of like we have an internal Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. We have this good part, and then we have this part that is not so good. This is how Jesus said it in Mark 14, 38. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Have you ever started a new habit or broken a bad one, but in a few weeks you are right back to where you started? Well, this passage in Romans, can we put that passage back up? This passage in Romans illustrates that good intentions are seldom good enough. Desire alone is usually not good enough because the predictions, the because of what happens, the results are predictable. First of all, there's going to be confusion. Paul says, my own behavior is a mystery to me. Is it sometimes that way with you? Is your own behavior sometimes just mysterious to you? He says, I just don't get myself. I don't understand myself. Why do I keep making the same mistakes? Why do I keep acting in ways that I know are bad for me? So there's confusion. And then there is frustration. He says, I have the desire to do what is right, but not the power. And that's frustrating in life, isn't it? Isn't it frustrating when you have the desire, but not the power? Because we start off things like diets, since this is the first of the year. We start off with things like diets with great intentions. We wake up in the morning, whoo! This is the day when, when change is going to start to happen. But as the day goes on, the resolution begins to slip. And by 5.30 p.m., you have convinced yourself that a balanced diet is a Big Mac in each hand. Right? You know what I'm talking about. We have the desire, but we don't have the power. And that doesn't apply just to dieting. It applies to your spiritual life. We have the desire to be good, growing Christians, but sometimes we just don't have the power to do what we want to do. And then the third thing is defeat and discouragement. 
Paul says in that text. He says, I'm losing this battle. My life is a mess. I'm a total failure. I want to change, but I don't have the power to change. I aim for the stars, but I keep hitting the dust. So this is how he uh, comes to the end of that chapter. He says, oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated, controlled by sin? Now, in just a few minutes, we're going to read the next verse, which says, well, Jesus is the answer. The good news is that you do not have to stay in a cycle of failure, defeat, failure and defeat, failure and defeat. There is power available to help you change. So that's the problem. The problem is we have the desire. We don't have the power. Now here's the promise. This is what Jesus said. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. I'd like for you to circle that part that is underlined. The truth will set you free. The secret to personal change is not willpower. Willpower is usually only a temporary fix. You can will certain things and you can do things just on sheer willpower for a while as long as you're in a certain state of mind. But as soon as that changes, then you have a tendency to give up and go back to doing whatever it was you were doing. Jesus says, the way you permanently break free from hurts and hang-ups is by knowing the truth. That means knowing and applying the principles of God's Word to your life. Now, how exactly does that work? Let me tell you how that works. On your outline, there is a key point. And if you don't leave with anything else, Excuse me. You'll just leave with this one thing. Behind every self-defeating behavior is a lie that I'm believing that isn't true. Let me say that again. Behind every self-defeating behavior, there is a lie that I am believing that isn't true. I'm believing something about myself that isn't true. I'm worthless. I'm never going to amount to anything. And so it doesn't matter what I do. I am believing something about other people that isn't true. Nobody likes me. Nobody cares about me. Everybody is against me. So why should I even make the effort? I am believing something about God that isn't true. He doesn't care about me. He's not looking at me. And so, why does my life matter? I am believing something about my past that isn't true. I can never be forgiven. I'm never going to be able to let go of these memories that I have of things that I've I've done or things that people have done to me. So, I'm not even going to try to live a righteous life. The key to freedom is uncovering 
and challenging these faulty misconceptions that are keeping you from being set free and help you to take control of your life. That's the promise. So when he says the truth sets you free, that is a very profound principle. If you will give yourself to the knowledge and the application of God's Word, the power of that Word, the Spirit working through that Word, can help to give you the power that you need to change. Now here's the process. We're going to look at three things. One starts with A, one starts with B, one starts with C. A. Acknowledge the root of my problem. Acknowledge the root of my problem. This is the starting point to breaking free. Whatever you want to change in your life, you start by acknowledging the root of the problem. And at the root of most of our problems is an attitude called sin. Now what do I mean by sin? I'm not talking about getting drunk or running off with someone else's spouse. Those things are the result of sin. I'm talking about the attitude of sin that says, I am in charge of my life and I know what is best for me. I don't need God. It is an attitude that has been around ever since the Garden of Eden where Adam said, I'm going to ignore God and do my own thing. And we all know how much trouble that caused and is causing, right? This is 1 John 1.8. If we say that we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and refusing to accept the truth. We are only fooling ourselves when we say, I have it all together, I don't have any problems. And so, in order to stop defeating myself, I have to stop deceiving myself. And in order to stop deceiving myself, I have to stop pretending that it's not a problem. Now, this is from uh, Alcoholics Anonymous, the first step of Alcoholics Anonymous. The first step of any of these biblically-based programs is very similar to the first step of Alcoholics Anonymous. Admit that I am powerless to control my situation and my life has become unmanageable. There has to be an admission that I am out of control, I can't handle it on my own. Now, the problem is that too often we wait until we hit rock flat bottom before we admit anything. A lot of times the problem is people wait too long to get help because they won't acknowledge there's a problem. And so the husband comes to me out of desperation and says, Bruce, my wife has left me. What can I do? 
At this point, very little. You waited too long. We don't have any kind of magic bullets here at Port City. Whatever you refuse to admit is going to enslave you. If you refuse to admit that food is a problem with you when it is, you will be enslaved by food. If you refuse to admit that adultery is a problem when it is in your life, you will be enslaved by adultery. If you refuse to admit that anger is a problem in your life when it is, then you will be enslaved by anger. So you have to, up front, you have to acknowledge the root of the problem. That's the first step of any recovery program. And of course, it started first with the Bible, right? And then B. B is believe that Jesus can change me. Now, I, I, I'd already sent the outline, and that's, that's okay. You can write it down, uh, that Jesus can change me. I, I changed it a little bit after I, I'd been thinking about it for a few weeks. Maybe next to it, you can write this. Believe that Jesus can Help me change. I like that better. Believe that Jesus can help me change. He's not going to do all of it. You can't say, Lord, I want you to change me and go sit in a chair and wait for the magical dust to come over you. But if you will do your part, the Lord will do His part, and between those two parts, you can accomplish quite a bit of positive in your life. Now this is Romans 7, 24. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin? Watch this. You ready? Thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul is saying the ultimate answer is a person. And Jesus wants to help you change, but you have to believe that He can help you do it. And Christianity is the only religious system in the world that can really help you bring about positive, lasting change in your life. I received this email from Hank, Hank Oaks, and when Hank doesn't send out a whole lot, so when I get one, I'm sure to always read his. Some of you send me eight, nine, ten a day. <clears throat> I love you. <laughs> this, uh, this is actually a transcription. About a week ago on, uh, on a Fox News program, they were having a panel discussion about Tiger Woods and allegedly the different women that he's had a relationship with. And Britt Hume, who is a conservative commentator for Fox News, said this, quote, The extent to which he can recover, it seems to me, depends on his faith. He is said to be a Buddhist. 
I don't think that kind of faith offers the kind of forgiveness and redemption that is offered by the Christian faith. So my message to Tiger would be this. Tiger, turn to the Christian faith and you can make a total recovery and be a great example to the world. And there were a lot of folks in the news media who blasted Brit Hume for that. You can say good things about Buddha. You can say good things about Hindu. You can say good things about Confucius. You can say good things about Mohammed. You say something about Jesus and they hate you. Now, this is exactly what Paul said in Romans 8.2. For the new spiritual principle of life in Jesus Christ lifts me out of the old vicious circle of sin. That's J.B. Phillips. I love that. Circle that. Lifts me out. We could go down to the beach and I could pick up a dead seagull and say to that seagull, fly, seagull, fly. I could spread the wings of the seagull and say, fly, seagull, fly. The only thing that will make us that seagull fly is new life. The only thing that will make it fly is, is new power in its wings. And it's the same way with you and me. The Bible says that the Lord wants to give you and me new power in our wings so we can soar. This is what Jesus said. John 14, 6. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. I am. This is great. He did not say, I have the truth. He did not say, I'm pointing to the truth. He did not say, I'm searching diligently for the truth. He said, I am it. I am the one who can bring you new life. And how does he do it? Through the knowledge, application, and practice of his word. So B is believe that Jesus can help you change. And then C is commit everything to Christ. Commit everything to Christ. Or commit... Um, was that C? Did I have something? C, commit... That, oh, commit that Jesus can... I must have uh, put the same point down twice. Okay, uh, C is commit... All I am to Christ. Commit all I am to Christ. That's C. Commit all I am to Christ. I'm talking about the good, the bad, the ugly, hurts, habits, hang-ups. Commit it all to the Lord. Now you may be thinking, well, give me one good reason why I should do that. Okay? You've tried everything else and it hasn't worked. 
I was searching on the internet and I came across this article from New Woman Magazine. And of course, you know, I just had to send in for a subscription to New Woman Magazine. You know, maybe I could learn something about women, you know. <clears throat> so they had this article on 10 ways to feel better fast. Okay, they asked like, they asked like 10 women, what do you do to feel better fast? Okay. And most of these are harmless, all right? Uh, okay, here were some of these. Uh, I head home for lunch and watch all my children. Okay. Uh, whenever life gets me down, I check out mentally by pretending I'm on a deserted island with Bruce Stewart. No, excuse me, Tom Cruise. I'm sorry, I read, I misread Tom Cruise. I cure my depression by shopping. All right, yeah. I find comfort in food. Whenever I feel down in the dumps, I head to the nearest deli. My pick-me-up is fantasized revenge. Um, I get a kick out of dressing up my daughter's Barbie dolls. I rent a Fred Astaire movie and play it on my VCR. Then the editors of the magazine, they gave some additional suggestions on you might want to try these for a fast pick-me-up. Reread the first love story you ever read. Uh, get by yourself for a weekend. Get rid of all of your old outfits. All right, all right. Okay, you know, uh, reread the first love story. That's fine. Go off for a weekend by yourself. Fine. Buy a few new outfits. Fine. But I'm reading this. I'm thinking, is this all the world has to offer? Is this it? We're going to go away for a weekend, get a couple of new outfits, and reread a, a love letter from the 80s. When I read this kind of stuff, and nothing wrong with those three things, when I read this kind of stuff, I make no apology at all to stand before you and say, Jesus Christ is the ultimate answer. And there are millions of people throughout history who are a testimony to the fact that Jesus Christ changes lives like nobody else. So 2 Corinthians 5.17 When someone becomes a Christian, he becomes a brand new person inside. He is not the same anymore. A new life has begun. So real change is based on God's power. Now, contrast that article from New Woman magazine that I just shared with you. Contrast that to this letter that was sent to the editor of Time magazine. A few years ago, Time at Easter had a cover story on Jesus. And then it was followed by a debate between theologians on exactly who was Jesus. Do we really know who Jesus was? That kind of thing. So this is what this guy wrote into the editor. As far as I'm concerned, the liberal theologians can keep their historical Jesus in their cut-and-paste Bible. I'm a former alcoholic and adulterer, set free by the power of Christ Jesus. Who cares about higher criticism when the resurrected power of the Son of God can transform you here and now? End quote. God wants to give you the power that you need 
to make the changes that you need so you can build lasting relationships and stop defeating yourself. So in 2 Timothy, Paul is writing to Timothy in the city of Ephesus. And Timothy is having some struggles in his ministry there. And Paul tells him this, God did not give us a spirit that makes us afraid, but a spirit of power and love and self-control. So here's the question. Are you tired of, of forcing yourself to do things all the time and always coming up short? God gives us the option of doing what we want to do in life. We can either depend on ourselves or we can depend on Him. We can either live in frustration or we can live in freedom. It's our choice. Today could be a turning point in your life. It's true. Maybe somebody invited you here. You may be here because you're a member. You're here. You love the Lord. And this is what you do on Sunday. For whatever reason you are here, the Lord wants to say something to you, and it's this. You matter to me. That's His message. And we understand that everyone, without exception, is having some kind of a struggle right now. It may be financial, emotional, relational, marital, physical, something with your health. What do you do? A, acknowledge the root of the problem. Acknowledge the fact that you've been trying to be in control of your life and it hasn't been working. B, believe that the Lord can help you implement positive, lasting change. C, commit all that you have to the Lord. And it's okay if you have some doubts, by the way. That's all right. You don't have to have all your questions answered. In fact, a guy came to Jesus one day and he said, Lord, would you heal my son? And the Lord said to him, do you believe that I can heal your son? And the guy said, I would like to believe. Can you help me overcome my unbelief? And the Lord said, "Woo! that's good enough for me and healed his son. You don't have to have all of your questions answered. You don't have to have all of your doubts erased. What you do have to have is the faith of a mustard seed. I don't know if some of you do gardens or plant gardens. Mustard seed apparently is not very big. We don't have to have a whole lot of faith, but bring the Lord what faith you have and He can bless it. I would like to ask, all of us to stand, if you will go ahead and stand. And if you will bow your heads, I'd like to ask you to pray several things. And after each one, I'm going to pause for just a second, second or two, so you can talk to the Lord. And then I'll close out by leading us in a prayer. First, would you tell God that you've made a lot of mistakes?
Now would you tell the Lord that you want to change? Now would you ask the Lord to give you the power to change? And now will you ask the Lord for forgiveness? Say something like, Lord, I know you are committed to me. You've already proven that by the cross. I want to be committed to you. Father, I want to acknowledge that the root of most of my problems is the fact that I've been trying to live my life without you. I've made lots of mistakes, have sinned, and so I ask for your forgiveness. I believe that the truth of your word can set me free. And so I want to recommit my life to you. Would you please help me to understand that I can't continue to try to live the Christian life on my own power and my own strength that I can really only do it in a lasting, permanent, positive way by letting the power of your Spirit be in my life. We thank you so much for the Bible, that it is practical, that it's relevant, and that it can be applied to our lives. Father, please give us continued wisdom and guidance. These things we ask in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. If you have a particular need, if you would please come on down as Will leads us in the invitation hymn.